Pastor James challenges the next generation of pastors. The premise behind the book of Joshua is simple. It ought to be the very thing that is taught to the next generation of people that are leading churches, and it's not. It should be taught that you have been given a word from God. More than anything, your obligation is to know it, to understand it, to eat it and drink it and breathe it, to study it, to be close to it, to worry about developing the truth as it has been given to you, established by the Lord. Know it more than you have ever known it before. And once you have allowed the word of God to engulf you and inundate you and build you up, and when the word of God becomes the very part of your vocabulary that never leaves your mouth, your heart, your tongue, it never leaves every part of you, then you move forward in the promises that I've established for you. And guess what? Wherever you go, I will be with you. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you, cause all I need is you. Psalm 40 verse 7 says, Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Today on Light on the Hill, we're continuing a series we've entitled In the Volume of the Book. Pastor James Cadiz is going from Genesis to Revelation, underscoring Bible prophecy throughout. Pastor James is in the book of Joshua, which is based on a prophetic premise. We are starting in the book of Joshua. By the time we are finished tonight, we will be finished through the book of Ruth. And there is a lot to say about where we are going to be and um, where we are currently at right now. Again, the reminder for everybody has to be the fact that the premise we are laying this series upon is the idea that you are never going to understand Bible prophecy well or really at all for that matter, if you do not understand the totality of the Bible, right? You need to know what the Bible says as a whole. You need to understand the larger picture. And I think that it's critically important for us to be able to better develop that understanding through an intense knowledge of the Word of God, the storyline, how things connect. Um, we want to know a lot of issues related to the biblical narrative to be able to help us to connect the dots that we so desperately need to connect in order to understand the things that I think God wants us to understand. Right now, the current problem that we have, and it is one that bears significance, is centered around the fact that so many people spend a lot of time focusing on what I would call the, the juicy prophecies, right? The ones that set, tend to create a sensationalistic sort of outlook upon the subject matter, but they forget about the biblical context that actually drives it. And in reality, here's the truth, and this really is true, right? The stuff that a lot of people look at and call the sensationalistic aspect of Bible prophecy really is the stuff that tends to be boring at times when compared to the real gems that you pull out of something that you normally would not be able to see had it not been revealed to you, right? And the Bible makes that very clear, that in essence, God's word, especially in the last days, 
is a mystery, right? And that mystery is not like I'm a detective and I'm looking for an answer type of a mystery. That mystery is knowledge that you would not have unless it were revealed to you. And the Bible makes it clear that in the last days, we are now receiving that revelation. Now, it's funny because when you look back at the biblical narrative and you begin to look at the storyline of the Bible as a whole and Bible prophecy, you'll begin to realize that it was always there for the understanding, right? That it, it looks very, very obvious now when in back in the day, it, it wasn't so obvious, right? When back in the day when the prophets were speaking, they had no idea in many ways and in many cases what they were actually saying, right? And I think it is important. Uh, critically important. And so I think that more than ever, and perhaps most importantly, we need to recognize and understand something very, very critical, and that is the, the, the foundation, the basis for our approach always has to be wide understanding and a general scope of the Bible as a whole. So when we go through this series, that's exactly what we're going to seek to be doing. We're going to give you areas in these passages that are uh, prophetically significant, yes, but then also help us with the biblical narrative. And I'll give you an example of this. When you look at the story of Ruth, and you read that whole book, so many people will say that there is no real prophetic significance to the story of Ruth, that there isn't much that's there. And I would actually tell you people that say that do not understand the Bible as a whole. They have a limited understanding of the Levitical law. They have a very limited understanding of what God's heart and mind was concerning his people and in their future. They certainly do not have an understanding of what you need to understand to realize the significance of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And they certainly do not understand prophecies that relate directly to the bloodline of the Messiah. If you understood Ruth, you would understand the significance of all of the bearings of those Bible prophecies, and it would make a lot of sense, and we're going to talk about that today. So there's lots of examples of this. So we have just finished Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and now we are embarking upon the book of Joshua. Now you need to understand with Joshua, Joshua is based on a prophetic premise right? It is based on a promise that was made by God to one of the very few faithful people in a generation that was dying off because of their lack of trust in God. And it actually centers around idealistically what is in many ways a foundation, a heart, and a core of what Bible prophecy is all about. Let me trace the context for you so that you'll better be able to understand. And then once we do that, you'll be able to better understand the prophetic premise behind what we find in the beginning of Joshua. So we have to go back to the very beginning, right? We have to go back to Genesis and I'm going to briefly sketch this out for you so that you can understand where we leave off when it comes to the book of Joshua. Okay. First and foremost, we see what happens in the book of Genesis. We find out that God uses Joseph, who of course is an extremely godly young man, to save the whole world. And the way that God used Joseph to save the whole world was by a prophetic word given to the Pharaoh and of course taken in that dream, given to Joseph by God the interpretation of what that dream was in order to put together together 
something that was going to prophetically happen to the world ahead of them. And the premise of the prophecy centered around the fact that for the next seven years, God would bless the whole world with all kinds of riches and access. And listen, you're going to get all kinds of things here. You're the farming is going to be great. The cattle is going to be, everything's going to be great for the next seven years. But then after that, there will be a time period that you will go through as a nation and quite frankly, as the world, where you are going to go through famine. It's going to be terrible. You're not going to be able to grow anything. It's going to be a struggle. People are going to die. Animals are going to die. No one's going to have enough food. So listen, Pharaoh, based on what the word of God is to us, based on what God has been warning you concerning, what you need to do is you need to have a guy appointed to tax all the people during all of the years of benefit. And listen, the people are not going to complain about that, right? 20, you know, taxing somebody 10% of $100 is, is a big deal. But when you tax them 30% of $100 million, who cares, right? It doesn't even matter. So the reality of it is we need to tax the people a much larger amount uh, so that we can collect it all. What they don't realize is by doing that, we are actually going to prepare them for the suffering that they will begin to face when they get to the end of this seven-year period. So the Pharaoh said, Joseph, you're really wise, and I think you'll be, you know, you're the one that gave me this insight. You're the only one that's going to be able to handle it. It was your idea. So bam, you're the most second, the second most powerful man in all of the world. And so interestingly enough, we know that Joseph's brothers who forsook him actually went to him, not realizing that it was him. And we all know the story, right? Basically, we know that the nation of Israel was pretty much in a way started in Egypt, right? Outside of Egypt in the land of Goshen. And when a Pharaoh came about that did not know Joseph and did not know the previous Pharaoh, when he began to see the massive growth in population, in the Jews, he basically made them slaves. So Israel was in essence in slavery for 400 years uh, under the Pharaoh. Now this is very important. If you think that this is kind of basic and this is probably something we shouldn't be going over, I think even if you know this story, it's important for me to go over it because it's gonna help you connect the dots. And this shows you why understanding biblical context and knowing the whole of God's word is going to give you insight that is uh, unique to all of this, right? This is very, very, very important. And I think something that we need to just understand and grasp and recognize and absolutely not forget. It's, it's truly important. So here's the thing that happens. And I think that this is really, really critical, right? They end up uh, going into slavery. God raises up Moses. You guys know the story of how that all works. By the way, that was based on a series of prophecies that God had instituted. He raises up Moses. Moses does exactly what God said Moses would do. He takes the people out of Egypt and finally the people are in the desert. And the reality of it is the people doubted the promises of God to them concerning what would happen in the future. God said, I'm going to take you to a promised land. The people doubted it. Moses, of course, doubted the word of God in that he disobeyed God's word in a representation that he made to the people. And as a result of his misrepresentation to the people, he was actually punished by God and told you cannot go into the promised land. And 
And so Moses never made it into the promised land. He got to see it, but he never made it into the promised land. And because of the grumbling and the lack of faith of all of the people during that time, that generation was no longer able to see the promised land. So we get all this, and this is very important, but yet there were two people, right, two very important people that were part of this uh, older generation, that not only got to see the promised land, but were used by God to lead the younger generation into the promised land. Now, who are those people? Well, very interesting. We have to go back to, again, the very thing that led God to the judgment where he told the people that they would wander for 40 years in the wilderness, and that was God basically directing a group of people, spies, to go out into the land of Canaan, and when the spies went to go see everything, they all came back and they said the same thing. The land is beautiful. The grapes are crazy good. The, it's flowing with milk and honey. Everything is wonderful on that end. But only 10 of them, not only 10 of them, the majority of them basically said, we are going to get our rears kicked. We don't have a chance. These giants are going to smoke us. There is no way in the world we survive this thing. And of course, there were two men that basically said, don't mind those cowards. The bottom line is God's given us the victory. If he told us that this is all ours, let's just go for it. We're going to smoke these guys. Let's go. And basically, the people in their cowardly state chose to continue to walk in fear and grumble and complain and no way we all going to die this is not good and so basically God said fine if that's the way you want to look at the promise then the promise is now going to be to your children and not to you and for 40 years you're going to wander the wilderness and for the most part that generation died off in the wilderness not being able to see the promised land now what is interesting is there were people that did get to see the promised land from that generation and of course that was Yeshua and that was Halim of course that's what this book is named after Joshua, the leader of the people that literally took the responsibility of Moses. He was the one that Moses handed the baton to and he led people in. Now, there's a lot to be said about this and I will uh, give a very brief commentary on this issue and I will leave it alone and I will, uh, yes, pick on uh, my alma mater for lack of a better term, lack of a representation. I will pick on Calvary Chapel for just a second because this is an area where we are failing. This is an area where Calvary Chapel is not doing well, and I think it's critically important, right? When you look at the Moses story, which is Calvary Chapel brags on this, right? Calvary Chapel says we use the Moses model of leadership, which I think is biblical, and I think it's right, and I think it's accurate, and I think it's very, very important. But what the Calvary Chapel pastors are forgetting, at least a lot of them, especially the older generation Calvary Chapel pastors, is they are forgetting the aspect of the Moses model that involves Moses giving leadership to the church to spirit-filled men who actually understand what is at stake, who walk boldly and have demonstrated a level of fearlessness to be able to take on the work of the promised land that was given to them for the future. Instead, we have a group of men who are more concerned about their legacies than they are giving it to men who are spirit-filled, who will make the right decisions and do the right things for the body of Christ. And what we are looking at right now is we are looking at a younger generation of people taking over some of these larger churches that have no idea what it means to take the land for the Lord. They have no idea what it means to be sent as spies in the land, establishing the work of the previous generation only to say what lies ahead of 
of us is way harder than anything our forefathers faced. What lies ahead of us is far more difficult, but God is going to make it easy because God is going to give us the land. And the reality of it is what's happening with the younger generation is they are becoming woke by the moment. And so much of what's actually happening is predicated upon a lack of foundation in moving forward to do the work that God has called them to do. And the fear of the Lord in this younger generation is becoming absent within their hearts. See, the thing with Joshua was really interesting. The thing with Joshua was Joshua understood the prophetic word of God. Joshua understood what the promises of God were to the people of Israel because he was there when that promise was actually given. And that promise was effectively and powerfully communicated by Moses. And the reality of Joshua's life centers around the fact that Joshua had a personal relationship with God and the experience that he had in his relationship with God drove him to trust in God more and more because he knew the word of God. It's really funny because when I listen to this younger generation right now teaching the Bible, they they don't even know Bible prophecy. They are lost in the area of Bible prophecy. Why? Because they're more concerned about the looks, the outward appearances. They're more concerned about all kinds of other things than they are busting their tails like they've never busted their tails before and studying harder than they've ever studied before to bring the message of deliverance because just like Joshua, this may very well be the generation that leads the people of God into the rapture with the promised land and the problem that I continue to see and the difficulty that I continue to see is unlike Joshua so many people have walked away from the responsibility of knowing the word and understanding the promise of God the thing that was remarkable about Joshua was Joshua lived to see the prophetic word of God manifest and believed that it would manifest for the future. The problem is you cannot believe that it will manifest for the future if you don't know what God's word says for the future. If you are not studying the word, you don't understand the declarations of God's word, how in the world are you going to be able to lead the people of God into that arena? And Joshua was a man who was indicative of it. By the way, understand this. The premise behind Joshua sits around the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1. And it's always worthwhile for us to read it because it gives us a very good understanding and the culmination of it all takes us to verse 8 and 9. 9 actually being the prophetic word that we focus on for the book of Joshua. But look what it says here, and this is very, very important, okay? Understand what happens at the very first part of the book of Joshua. It says this. It says... Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of God, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot should or shall tread upon that I have given you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand therefore, or stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. He's already prophesying. 
right? He's already telling Joshua what he's going to do for the nation. He's given Joshua a vision for the nation based on the promise that he's making to accomplish his purposes for the nation. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success okay here's the premise do you understand the premise that's being made here he's saying meditate on the word of god literally bake in it every day every night allow yourself to be inundated and engulfed with the word of god know the word of god make the word of god the center of everything in your life make it the thing that you eat breathe and drink get to know the word of god so well that you will understand the commands given to you set forth and the promises set forth and only when you know the word of god only when the word of god is your guide to tell you what to do the next steps you take only when you have meditated upon the law of god to give you the insight and the understanding and the determination and the wisdom and the prophetic word to do that which I have called you to do only then I will remind you of this Joshua look what he says in verse 9 have I not commanded thee be strong and of good courage notice this be not afraid neither be thou dismayed why here's the prophetic word for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest the premise behind the book of Joshua is simple it ought to be the very thing that is taught to the next generation of people that are leading churches, and it's not. It is not being taught to the next generation, and it should be this. It's very simple. It should be taught that you have been given a word from God. More than anything, your obligation is to know it, to understand it, to eat it and drink it and breathe it, to study it, to be close to it. To worry about developing the truth as it has been given to you, established by the Lord. Know it more than you have ever known it before. And once you have allowed the word of God to engulf you and inundate you and build you up, and when the word of God becomes the very part of your vocabulary that never leaves your mouth, your heart, your tongue, it never leaves every part of you, then you move forward in the promises that I've established for you. And guess what? Wherever you go, I will be with you. Wherever you go, I am going to carry you through the issues. Wherever you go, I am not going to let you fail. Why do you think it is that there are some of us that are not scared to call things out for what they are? Why is it that we're not scared to literally tell the governor to get lost when the governor tells us to break the law of God? Why is it that there are a group of us that are willing to do no matter what it is, doesn't matter what society says, doesn't matter what the peer pressures are that people want to give to you, doesn't matter the things that people demand or that we apologize for. Here's the thing. I don't give a rip what anybody thinks other than what God thinks, and I better know what God thinks more than anything else, which means I better know his word, and as long as I know what the word of God tells me, then the moral clarity that is developed as a result of my knowledge of that word brings me to the place of understanding and boldness knowing that wherever I go, God is going to be with me. We're going through the Bible with Pastor James Cadiz here on Light on the Hill 
This series, entitled In the Volume of the Book, emphasizes the prophecy found in every book of the Bible. To catch what you may have missed in the series, just go to lightonthehillradio.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. The studies are also available through the Light on the Hill app. We're thankful for the listeners that come alongside of us with prayer and even financial support. You help us do what we do each day, and we're so grateful for that. To donate today to help us deliver God's Word daily, visit lightonthehillradio.com. You can also give through the Light on the Hill app. If you enjoy Bible prophecy and want to hear even more, I recommend Pastor James's online videos. Many of them relate to current events and connect to Bible prophecy. You can access them at jamescadiz.com. You can also access Countdown to Eternity there or at countdown2eternity.com. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to our program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your Bible prophecy questions and your prayer requests. You can do so through our website, lightonthehillradio.com. Let's return to our Bible study. Here's Pastor James with one final challenge. Where is the willingness for the body of Christ to move forward in areas that the body of Christ has been traditionally scared to move into? Why is it that we're fearful to say things as simple as homosexuality is a sin? Why is it that we're scared to say fornication is evil? It's a sin. Why is it that we're scared to stop for one moment and speak about how critically important it is to teach people about things like the rapture? You want to know why people are not doing it? Because they're not allowing themselves to be exposed to the word of God and they don't want people to think they're crazy. Quite frankly, I don't give a rip if you call me crazy. As a matter of fact, if you call me a crazy conspiracy theorist, it might actually be a compliment to me because the reality of it is when it all comes through and when it all manifests to be exactly accurate as the word of God said, you will look at me one day as the person who literally uh, played the trumpet. You will be, you will look at me as the person who warned everybody and history will tell the truth. I will not have that blood on my hands in seeing that the prophetic word of God was not proclaimed and the people suffered because of a lack of knowledge. We'll stop here and join us next time for Light on the Hill when we'll be in Judges with Pastor James. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Signal Hill. I have found That peace only comes from you I have found That joy only comes from you Cause all I need is